I'd like you to grab your Bibles with me, please. And go with me to the book of Matthew. Praise God. Book of Matthew, chapter number 26. Amen. God is so good to us. God is so good to us. Continue to pray for what the Holy Ghost is doing in Mattawa. I'm excited by what we're seeing and the ministry of the Spirit of God that we are experiencing when we come together there. I know that the Lord is doing a work, and what a beautiful thing that is. We will, uh, Bible studies are continuing there every week, but we will have a, uh, a service again on the 15th of this month in Mattawa. It's a Monday night, and we're having services there on the first and third Monday night each month, and we're thankful for what the Lord's doing. Your prayer makes a difference. And we shared it on Sunday. It's continued in my spirit every day. The Lord hears us. He keeps reaffirming to me, I hear you when you pray. See, there's a difference if you pray knowing he hears you. If you're not careful, prayer will just become a place of you venting and appeasing your conscience. Oh, God forbid, you can go into a closet of prayer and the Almighty God hears you and I. He hears us when we pray. And if we ask anything according to His will, we know that He heareth us and we have that which we ask. This is the word of the Lord. And so, thank you for your commitment to a closet of prayer. How do we know that people pray in their closet? Well, because when people pray in their closet, God rewards openly. And so you see the result of prayer. You don't have to tell people you pray when you pray. The results speak for themselves. Amen? I'm thankful to serve a God that not just hears but answers prayer. Aren't you? Anybody ever had a, him answer a prayer for you? Yes. Amen. I am standing here as an answered prayer. <laughs> Praise God. The book of Matthew, chapter 26. Amen. There's a danger in opening the Word of God to familiar places. And the danger is that we can say, I've heard that before. And I've been guilty of that. I've been guilty of that in reading the Scripture. Times I'll read it, and I've read it before, and so I read right through or I read right over. And it's why I've been so edified and encouraged by different ones sharing what they've seen when they're reading the Scripture in the, uh, the group that has been set up, the Bible reading group, uh, where everyone's reading at least a set of chapters every day, the same chapters. And I've been encouraged by people saying, hey, man, I read this, and this is what this Scripture said to me, or I read this, and this is what I saw in that Scripture. It, I love that because isn't it something how we can see the Word of God, and we're like, man, I've never seen that before. Uh, we were talking about that Sunday as Brother Lewis ministered in the Holy Ghost, and he shared those things of Bartimaeus casting off his garment. And I'm, man, I just the way the Lord spoke to me through that ministry and it's continued to stay with me as well. So I'm thankful for the Word of God. May we pray, Lord, never let it be so familiar to me. But let it be fresh. Let it be a living Word. Amen. I made a statement in the group today. May we love the Word and may we live the Word. I don't want to just love it. I want to live it. Don't you? I want to live according to the word. Amen. Praise God. Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. This is what is often referred to as the Last Supper. The first 25 verses we find Jesus in, that, in there telling them to go into the city and there will be a man and tell him you need a place for the Lord to eat the Passover and or the Master. 
and he'll have a place he'll show you. And they did, and they found that, and now they're gathered in this place, and they're eating the Passover together, Jesus and his disciples. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. Now, remember, they're eating the Passover. This is a reference back to the book of Exodus when the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt. The Lord, through Moses, said, Kill a lamb, take the blood of the lamb, put it over the doorposts, and at midnight the angel will come through the land, and if there's no blood on the door, I'm going to kill the firstborn of that house. But he said, When I see the blood on the doorpost, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so... The children of Israel would do this year after year. Every year they would celebrate the Passover and they would have a meal and it would be, they would drink of the fruit of the vine, remembering the Passover when the Lord brought the children out of Egypt by a mighty hand, the blood on the doorposts and the lamb. And so here they are celebrating the Passover. And as they were eating, verse 26, notice what Jesus did. Jesus took bread. Jesus blessed bread, Jesus broke the bread, and then he gave it to the disciples. And then he said this to them, take, eat, this is my body. They had not heard that before. Many of us in this room, if not all of us, have heard that before. They had never heard that before. Jesus said, take and eat. And he did not point back to the Passover. He pointed to himself. He said, what you're eating is my body. Verse 27, then he took the cup. He gave thanks for it, or he blessed it. And he gave it to them. And he said, drink ye all of it, notice verse 28, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. They had never heard this before either. They were looking for a coming Messiah, but they had never heard at Passover meal Someone say, this is my blood. It had always pointed back to Egypt and the Passover. But sitting in front of them was one that they knew to be the Christ because Peter had declared it at Caesarea Philippi when he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter declared, thou art the Christ, the anointed one. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. This didn't come by your human knowledge, intellect, and understanding, but my Father which is in heaven. And so they knew sitting around that table that he was the Messiah. They knew who he was. And he's now telling them, this bread that you're getting ready to partake of, this bread is my body. I'm no longer pointing you back to Egypt. And this fruit of the vine you're getting ready to drink of, this is my blood of the New Testament. Now they knew there was a New Testament coming because they knew the prophecies of old. But they understand a covenant can only be fulfilled through blood. There had to be blood for a covenant. And he said, this is my blood of the New Testament. Testament or new covenant. Now we know those stories. Now, I have questions for you I want you to consider tonight that I think maybe we miss sometimes. We're obviously going to take communion here in a few minutes. So the disciples sat and heard him say this. He said, this is my body, and this is my blood. Now, later on, and we'll read it in a minute, 
But we know that they did this in remembrance again and again after he had ascended. And so he had instructed them, you can read it in Mark and Luke's gospel as well, he had instructed them to do this in remembrance of him. To take of the bread, his body, to take of the fruit of the vine, his blood. Remember him. I have a question for us tonight. The next time that they sat down together and they broke the bread and they remembered that it was his body, what did they see? What did they remember? He said, this is my body broken for you. Did they just remember how nice it was him sitting at the table the time before when they'd done it? I don't think so. I think they remembered the body broken. There was a reason he told them. I believe they remembered because they saw it. And those that didn't see it, I'm sure they heard tell of it from the others that did see it. When they broke the bread and he said, this is my body broken, I believe they visualized stripes on his back where his body had been ripped by a cat of nine tails for them. I believe they visualized his hands pierced with nails where his body had been broken for them. I believe they saw afresh the crown of thorns pressed down to his head. And no doubt they wanted to step in and, oh, if I could get there, he doesn't deserve what he's going through. And they're watching from afar, but knowing they're they're helpless to step in and rescue him. I mean, Peter had tried that before and said, you're not going to die. And the Lord turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan. Because, of course, Peter was keeping him from what he was called and destined to walk in. But don't you know, can you imagine watching someone who you came to know was God manifest in the flesh and he spent three and a half years walking with you talking with you teaching you pouring into you and you're recognizing this is none other than the son of God and you develop this relationship and you purpose to leave everything and follow him and then you watch him suffer his body being broken See, I'm afraid sometimes if we're not careful, we take of the bread at communion and we don't see what they saw when they remembered. It's just a routine. It's just, oh, that's something we do. And, and I don't think we've made it routine by any, by any stretch. Um, it's why we generally only do it once a year the way the Passover was only recognized once a year. I don't think there's anything wrong if you do it more often. Matter of fact, some of us are going to do this again on the 15th in Mattawa in the service there. Nothing wrong with that. The scripture says as often as you do it. But sometimes repetition creates familiarity and you lose the sacredness of what's being done. I believe they remembered nail-pierced hands and nail-pierced feet. It was fresh in their minds. I believe they remembered a side and saw a spear pierced in it. And when they took that bread, they heard his words again. This is my body broken for you. This is my body. It wasn't broken just because it was for you. This happened for you. This was personal. What I'm doing, what I've suffered, what I'm going through. Every time you do this, every time you take of this, I want you to remember this. It was my body broken for you. I want you to remember it. Why? Because there's something that has to keep us near the cross. Lest we ever think we've arrived where we are of our own doing. It's only by the cross. It's only by the work of Calvary that any one of us can stand here and say, I have been made free from sin. 
I didn't do this. You didn't do this. What did they remember when they then took the cup to take a drink? And they heard him saying, this is my blood poured out for you. See, it's so hard for us sometimes because we weren't there. But I believe everyone in their life, somewhere along the journey, should get a divine revelatory glimpse of Calvary. We have to see our suffering Savior. We really do. And understand it was for me. I should, there's a song we used to sing when I was younger. said, I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. He took my place and he took your place. When we come to understand the reality of that from the word of God. He hung there. He suffered. He was pierced. He poured out his blood because the wages of sin is death. And someone had to atone for our sin if we don't atone for it ourselves. And so he did. I believe when they drank of the cup the next time. I believe they saw the blood splattered. I believe in their mind and in their spirit, they saw the blood pouring out of his hands and running down his face and running off his back and on the cross as it was put over on the back of the other to carry when his name left me. Was it Simon? Uh, that carried the cross for him the rest of the way. They saw the blood on that cross. They, they saw the blood on his face. They saw the blood on his body. They, they saw the blood there. No doubt Mary and John, as they stood at the cross with others, they saw the blood literally dripping down to the ground and saw the evidence of it. It was very real to them. Jesus said... When you do this, remember me. Remember me. I believe he was wanting us to remember the suffering and remember the price paid, not just remember the person. We really need to consider the fact tonight that when we take when we take of the fruit of the vine and we take of the bread his body was broken for you and me and his blood was shed for you and me oh the blood <laughs> oh the blood oh the blood of jesus not just any blood, blood that ushered in a New Testament. You understand it was the blood that made a way for you and me. The blood opened the door. It was this precious blood of the lamb. You understand he became the Passover lamb. That's why he was crucified at Passover. He became the Passover lamb once and for all. He became that. And so we see that this blood of the New Testament opened the door. It's the reason why when his body was pierced, the, the body was broken. It's why when the body was broken, his, one of his last words, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost. And when that happened, the Bible says the veil of the temple was rent in twain. What was that? It was saying, hey, the old law is done away with. Now that the testator has died, now that the giver of the testament has died, the testament is now in force. God who gave the testament, 
wrapped himself in flesh, laid down his life. Pilate said, do you know I have the power to take your life? And Jesus spoke to him and said, you don't have any power except it's given you of the Father. He said, I have the power to lay it down and to take it up again. He willingly laid down his life, knowing that the only way the ushering in of a New Testament could ever take place is with the death of the testator. And so, his desire, his desire to give life to you and I said he was willing to die so that we could live. You ever had anybody die for you? See, sometimes we can't connect to the fact that Jesus died for us. Because we've never had someone that we know directly that we feel like, you know, it's not like I can look across the aisle and say, oh, so-and-so used to sit right there. They died for me. But this is what happened. God, robed in the flesh of a man, chose to die to save your life and mine. I don't want to take that for granted. I don't want to treat that lightly. Now, you may say, we get the point. We get the point. I don't know if we do sometimes. Because we didn't see him suffer. I, years ago, it's been a lot of years now, time flies. Over 20 years ago, uh, a group of us in Puyallup, after church one Wednesday night, we all piled together in vehicles and we went. It's only the second time in my entire life I'd ever been to a movie theater. Time before I was six. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Ryan. I was six when I went one other time before and I saw Bambi when it first came out. That tells you how old I am. But uh, Bishop and I and probably, I don't know, there might have been ten others this movie had come out, The Passion, and we're like, we want to go see what this is about because we, we think this is an opportunity to begin to talk to people. And so we did. And I remember, uh, I remember sitting there watching that and uh, on, on a big screen. I didn't know how big those screens were. I guess I'd forgotten that as a kid. And I remember the part where they were whipping his back. And uh, I don't know how many of you have seen it. I'm not trying to promote a film here tonight. But I remember watching as they were beating his back and his, his body, his skin was being ripped to shreds. And it was, it was very, very graphic. And uh, it, it seemed very realistic as much as I could imagine anyway. And more than I could have imagined. And, and, and blood is pouring out and... and the agony with every hit and it's and I mean the scene just kept on and kept on and kept on and kept on and and kept on and kept on and I was sitting there as it kept on and kept on and I'm sitting there and I'm like I think we get the point this is what I thought and I felt the Lord say to me no you don't you really don't you want it to end because of how gruesome it is. It didn't end that quickly for me. I didn't just get to move past it. I endured it for you. I endured it so you could be healed. With my stripes, you are healed. I endured it for you. This is my body broken for you. We have to realize how personal this was to God. We have to realize there's, an, there's a, so, another song, song that comes to my mind. They're all flooding my mind tonight. It says, when he was on the cross that day, I was on his mind. He knew me. And yet, he loved me. 
He knew you, and yet he loved you. Why would he say, and yet he loved you? Well, because he knew you and I in our sin. And knowing us in our sin, the Bible says for a good man, one would scarcely die. But for a sinner, a sinner, he knew us in our sin. And he loved us in our sin. He loved us so much in our sin that love said, I will die to deliver them from that which makes them what they are right now. I will redeem them unto myself. I'll pay the ultimate price. His body was broken for you. Look at the person behind you. Tell him. His body was broken for you. <laughs> Some of you were kind enough to wait on the person. It was for you. It was for you. It was for me. This isn't just a story in a book. This isn't just a story in a book. The living God wrapped himself in flesh for the sole purpose of dying to redeem you and me. What a gift. Could we thank him right now? I was a sinner. I was lost. I was undone. But you made a way where I would have had no way. You became the way. You became the door. You opened a door that I would have never been able to open by becoming the door yourself. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I would have died in my sin and spent eternity in hell had it not been for your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the work of Calvary. Thank you for the work of Calvary. Thank you for the suffering. Thank you for the agony. Thank you for enduring the cross and despising the shame. Thank you. You know, when I... The Scripture talks about those who... who actually crucify the Lord afresh... speaks of a lifestyle that takes for granted the work of the Lord and the grace of God. And the writer of the scripture called, referenced crucifying him afresh by living that way. There comes a point where I understand what my sin did to him. And I live in such a way to never want to do that to him again. And so it's, it's the old cliche, but it's so true. He laid down his life for me. Now I'll lay down my life for him. Is he really asking a large thing when he asks us to lose our life for his sake? I mean, think about it. 
when he says, hey, I'd like you to lay down your plans to walk in mine. If anyone has the right to ask that of us, he does. Some people say, man, I'd die for him. Well, he asks us to do something much harder. Live for him. Die to self and live for him. See, sometimes the reason people say they would die for him is because it's done. But to die to myself daily and live for him. That's a true testament of my relationship with him. To die to myself daily and live my life for him. As Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. I don't even live by my own faith anymore. I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. Every day I have a choice. I come to the cross again. Every day you have a choice. This is why tonight when we take of the bread and the fruit of the vine, we need to remember his broken body. We need to remember his poured out blood. Because then tomorrow when I get up again, the first place I go is to the foot of the cross. And I go to the foot of the cross and I lay my life down there by the grace of God at the altar of sacrifice, which is what the cross was. I lay my life down again. Paul saying, I am crucified with Christ. He said it this way later on. I die daily. You say, man, when do I get this all figured out? You don't. Every day you got to die again. The moment you think you're dead, you're probably not. So what do we do? Every day, every day we start at the altar. This is what Paul was talking about in Romans 12 when he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's a daily dying to ourself so that he can live in and through us. And when I see him on the cross and I see his suffering and I see his body broken and his blood poured out, I understand the request he has of me is not egregious in any way. It's a small thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Trying to hurry here. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 15. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. We're going to see a little shift here, but we need to understand what we've walked through in Scripture before we come here. Paul writing to the church, verse 15 said, I speak as to wise men. Judge ye what I say. He's asking them to judge what he's telling them right now. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Leave that verse right there. I want you to see this. He's asking the church a question, which I feel the Spirit of the Lord asking us tonight. That word blessing there in the Greek is literally consecration. I don't know why they chose to translate it blessing in the King James, but the Greek word is literally consecration. And the question is, the cup of consecration. He was consecrated. The cup of consecration which we consecrate. That's what we're doing when we take it. He consecrated himself. We are now taking and consecrating it when we take of it. The cup of consecration which we consecrate, he asked the question, 
Is it not the communion? That's why we often call it communion. The communion of the blood of Christ. That word communion there is the word koinonia or fellowship. We see it in Acts chapter 2 after they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine in fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. That word fellowship, same word right here, communion. The cup of consecration, which we consecrate. You understand, to consecrate is to be separated and set apart and dedicated to. So when we take of this tonight, we're in agreement that we are consecrating. We are separated unto the Lord. We are set apart unto the Lord. It's a consecrated thing. It's a sacred thing. He said, this cup, isn't it fellowship with the blood of Christ? You ever think about taking communion and think you're fellowshipping his blood? The bread which we break, isn't it fellowship with the body of Christ? We taught a couple of years ago about fellowship for a while. You can go back and find that list. This is a deep word speaking of close relationship with nothing dividing fellowship. It's there's nothing between us. There's nothing hindering our relationship. There's nothing that causes us to we we have pure uninhibited God ordained fellowship. No ill motive, no nothing to the side when I take of the cup I am having fellowship with the blood of Christ. When I take of the bread, I'm having fellowship with his body. There's nothing between me and the blood. There's nothing between me and the body. I'm consecrated. But now watch verse 17. For we, who's we? We is the apostle Paul and the church. We being many, what are we? Ah, we're one bread and one body. For we are all, everybody say all. We are all partakers of that one bread. See, here's the thing. When we take of communion... Rightfully so, it's very personal. It's very individual. But we do a disservice to the Word of God if we keep it at that level. Because it's actually very interdependent. When I take of the bread, the body, I realize there may be 80, 90 different people in this room that choose to take of the bread this evening. And so we'll have 80, 90 individual pieces of bread. But we are all taking of one body when we take of that. This is what he's saying. We understand that when we have fellowship with the body, that we are then partaking in one body. So... When Life Church West, I, I understand they're going to have communion. I learned they're going to have communion on Sunday. When they do that, they're taking of the same body that we are tonight. When we take of communion in Matto on the 15th, we're taking of the same body, one body. We're acknowledging this is one body that was broken for us. We're part of one body. This was important because Paul was talking to the church at Corinth. He was trying to help them to understand that they were one. And that when they take of the cup and when they take of the bread, they're fellowshipping the body. Not just the body of Christ that was laid down for them, but the body of Christ that we are. When you take of the bread and the blood, you're fellowshipping the body. You're saying there's nothing between us that hinders it. I'll show you. 
Go to the next chapter, chapter 11. Verse 17, we'll start there. Watch what he says. Now, in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not. Now, that's King James English. He said, in what I'm telling you, I'm not praising you. You're not liking what I'm getting ready to say. This is what he's telling them. I'm not praising you in what I'm telling you right now. You come together, not for the better, but for the worse. What? I thought coming together was good. Well, it's meant to be. But he said, you don't come together for the better. You come together for the worse. Verse 18. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it. See, divisions would be contrary to fellowship. Divisions destroy fellowship. This is what Paul's addressing. I know man put the chapters there, but he's staying on a thread. We're just skipping a lot of verses because of time tonight. But watch. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, he's saying it's not the Lord's Supper because of the way you do it. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken, or has already drank. Verse 22, what, do you not have houses to eat and to drink in, or do you despise the church of God, and you shame those that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. What in the world is he talking about? I'll tell you what he's talking about. They'd come together to take, and there were social classes and and. Uh, financial classes, the haves and the have-nots, some that had more, some that had less, the rich and the poor. They were the, and so some had lots and some didn't have much, and, and they were separating themselves out in the Corinthian church by their lot. There were divisions among them. And he was trying to help them understand your one body. When you take of the Lord's Supper, you're taking of that one body. And when you take of the bread and when you take of the fruit of the vine, you're fellowshipping the body. And for you to truly be fellowshipping the body, there can't be divisions among you. This is critical. Let's read just a tad further. For I have received of the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. I have a question. Notice the way that Paul worded this in his writing here. In verse number 23. The same night in which he was betrayed. I have a question. When he blessed the bread and he broke it, did he give it to Judas as well? He did, didn't he? When he blessed the fruit of the vine and passed it around, did he, he allowed Judas to take of it as well. This is what the Apostle Paul's drawing attention to. Watch. The same night in which he was betrayed, this is what he did. He took bread, he blessed it, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Watch. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, what do you do? You show the Lord's death till he come. This is what we were talking about the first part here tonight. You're showing the Lord's death. You're not remembering, oh, yeah, Jesus walked with us. No, no. When you're doing this, you're showing forth his death. You're exampling afresh, hey, his body was broken for us. His blood was poured out for us. Every time, whenever you do this, you're showing the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That should put the fear of the Lord in us. What could cause me to take of this unworthily? Let's keep reading. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, what does he do? He eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, what cause? The cause of eating and drinking unworthily and not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. What in the world is he talking about? Verse 28, when he said, let a man examine himself. That's exactly what he's talking about in verse 31 as well. If we would judge ourselves, if we would honestly before the Lord judge ourselves, then the Lord would not bring judgment to us because we would receive of the blood and the body of Christ and have fellowship with him. But when we deny our own condition and we don't rightly judge ourselves honestly and openly before the Lord. We are unworthily, and then the judgment of the Lord comes to us. I would submit to you that Judas took of the bread and the cup unworthily that night. He was not in fellowship with the other disciples. There was division there. It may not have been spoken, but it was there. He was fellowshipping something else. He was not fellowshipping the same God sitting at the table that the other 11 were. He had already started fellowshipping something else. And because he was fellowshipping something else, when he ate the bread and drank the cup, he ate and drank damnation to himself. This making sense to you tonight. This is why at the end of Acts chapter 1, the scripture says of Judas... That he went to his own place. He fell from the place God had appointed him and went to his own place. What was his own place? It was what he had ate and drank to himself. It was the place he'd prepared for himself by not discerning the Lord's body. Paul was writing in context, are we not one bread and one body? I hear there's divisions among you, he says. I would submit to you, if you and I have anything in our heart, mind, soul, spirit that is divisive with my brother or my sister, here or elsewhere, I'm not in full fellowship with the blood and the body of Christ. And so I examine myself. I examine myself. How do I examine myself? I examine myself in light of the blood and the body of Christ. He died for me. That hurt, that resentment, that regret, that 
bitterness, that offense I have towards a brother or sister? Did he not also die for them? If they did me wrong or they did you wrong, did he not die for that wrong that they did? Was that not the purpose of his dying anyway? It wasn't to say what was done was okay. It was to say I'll cover the wrong that was done with my blood. And so if I want to receive the blood and the body of Christ, I have to be willing to allow he who forgave me to flow through me to forgive others. I have to rightly discern the Lord's body. We talked about it last Thursday night, our responsibility one to the other, how we all have a responsibility to each other. This is exactly what this is. Would you stand with me tonight? When we take of the bread and the fruit of the vine here in just a couple of minutes, we are saying, I am in fellowship with the blood. And I am fellowship with the body of Christ. By the atoning blood of the lamb and by my life lived and my repentant heart and my submitted spirit to him and his word. I have nothing in my spirit of offense towards a brother or a sister in the body of Christ. I am taking of the blood in fellowship with the body. I'm taking of the bread in fellowship with the body. So you see, it's very personal, but it's also very collective. Some passages of Scripture and some translations call this time of taking the bread and the cup together a feast of love. Why would it be called that? Because I'm together in one body with those that I love. And together in love, we are taking of the one body that was shed, pierced, broken for us. And we understand the love that he has for us. And so we have that love one toward another. I can quickly forgive because he forgave me. I can readily love because he loved me. You understand, he did not love me because I deserved it. Do you love your brother or sister only when they deserve it? Do you support them only when they deserve it? Or do you stand with them no matter what? I'm not talking about Justifying someone's wrong. You understand. We are one body. And when we take of this tonight, we are taking it as one body together. And we're praying, God, let nothing bring division among us. But let there be a unity of the spirit just as there was unity Jesus said it this way, I and my Father are one. No division. We don't believe in a divided God. Amen?